Hey everyone, it's a beautiful Friday. Well, not for you Minnesotans. Sorry, 39 degrees, but you know what? It's a football weekend. If anything about the Eagles and Texans game last night showed you something, the Vikings should have been paying attention to it. We'll talk about that next on the Roundtable. This is the Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast Network. Coming up next. Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. And it starts now. Hey, everyone. It's the Roundtable, and I'm Ron Johnson. That's Reggie Wilson. That's Sam Maxstrom, and that's Luke Inman, the most interesting man in the football party. Well, fellas, it's, uh, it's a nice Friday morning. Uh, the birds are chirping. Uh, the worms are getting eaten. I'm noticing that because as it gets colder, they try to get to the surface for some stupid reason in the morning, and they're getting absolutely devoured. But you know what? The Eagles devoured some Texans last night. But the first half did not look like it was going to end up the way it did. I thought that somehow the Texans might give the Eagles their first loss, but it reminded me of something. The Eagles almost fell into that trap. A one in five Texans, a one and five Texans team almost beat the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles, their 8-0, best start in franchise history. But the Vikings, they play the Washington Commanders. The Washington Commanders are not that good. The Vikings are considered good. People want to talk about them. Pat McAfee wanted to talk about them. Darius Butler. I see Stephen A. Smith. We got Shannon Sharp. Everybody's talking about Kirk Cousins, Kevin O'Connell, and this 6-1 Vikings team. Is this game versus the Commanders a trap? Because they know the Buffalo Bills and the Dallas Cowboys are coming up next. I'll start with you, Sam. I worry about any road game in the NFL. I don't care who the opponent is. I've seen too many times where the Vikings go on the road and they play down to their competition. It's just it's different when you're out of your home environment, when your home environment is U.S. Bank Stadium. Um, I saw some rumors of rain maybe this weekend in Washington. I don't know if that's going to come to fruition or not, but the conditions change, the environment changes, and I think it just messes with the mojo. So, yeah, I, I think it is a bit of a trap game. Um, I don't know how Kirk Cousins is going to respond. This is the first time that he's ever gone on the road to face his former team. I don't know how he's going to deal with booze and with negativity. Maybe we're going to see Super Kirk. Maybe he's going to be flexing on him. Maybe he's going to be fired up. Maybe this is, this is what Kirk Cousins needs. Or maybe he melts, right? Like, we don't know how he's going to handle this mentally, even though he's kind of shoved it all to the side in his press conferences. I, uh, I do have some concerns about this. So you can't look ahead to Buffalo. you got to bank up this win so that the Buffalo game is house money, and then the result of Buffalo doesn't matter. You win this game, then you're free and easy going to Buffalo. Uh, let's go with Reggie. What you got? So I don't see this as necessarily a trap game because I feel like that kind of implies that the team that you're playing is inferior. And the Washington Commanders have won three straight. They play everybody close. I don't think that they're necessarily a, a team in the dumpster. You know, Ron Rivera always gets his teams ready to play. And so I think they would be foolish to overlook them with the Buffalo game coming. Also, like, you look in your closet, like, your closet isn't necessarily clean as well. Like, they continue to have to play these games where they're coming down to the wire and pulling them out, you know, late in the game. And so they can't afford to overlook them because if they do, like, then they might just 
finally get burned playing with fire as we saw last year when they played these close games with all these teams. I think what they should do is try to establish themselves early, get out there, put some points on them early and often and really try to sustain these drives. What you got, Lucas? Yeah, first thing I do every week, just to get a gauge on every matchup around the league, I look at the spread because Vegas does it. Vegas is freaky. You mentioned the Eagles game. They started as 13-point favorites to start the week. They won by 12. The over-under was 45 and a half. What did it end up at? 46 total points. They're freaky. And you'd think a 6-1 and one team playing a backup quarterback would be a lot more than a field goal favorite, wouldn't you? But they know Washington's quietly won three in a row. Taylor Heineke hasn't lost since he's taken over. In fact, Heineke's eight and two against the spread in his last 10 starts. Washington, with all the noise that they got going on off the field right now with Dan Snyder, kind of just flying under the radar right now, being undersold a little bit. They're a top three rush defense. They only allow 84 yards on the ground per game. Top 10 pass rush percentage. They just got rid of their worst cornerback in William Jackson. Meanwhile, Vikings are 6-1 and one despite being outgained by 40 yards every single game versus every opponent. So when you dig into the stats, it's hard not to think that the way the Vikings have played has to catch up to them eventually. And outdoors, on the road, on grass, they've always struggled. 25th in the league in franchise history. So Sam's right. Anytime they play on the road, I worry a little bit. You worry about if they lose this one, they got Buffalo and then Dallas. I'm worried. I'm worried, Ron. I almost gave Sam the zipper emoji after he said Kirk Cousins was going to flex on him. Uh, but you know what? <laughs> Kirk Cousins with the gold chain now, with the diamonds, like Kirk, Kirk, Kirk might flex on him. But here, here's my take on this one. When you look at this team, and I, and I agree with Reggie, when you look at who you are, you can't treat this as a trap game. If I am the Minnesota Vikings, I'm looking at my red zone offense. But then I'm turning around and looking at my red zone defense. My red zone offense is solid, 27.3% first down or touchdown when they're in the red zone, 18 touchdowns. That's third in the NFL. But then you look at their defense. They're allowing 33.8% first downs or touchdowns in the red zone. That's 32nd. And for those that don't know at home, there's only 32 teams in the NFL. So that means they're the last team in the NFL when it comes to teams getting in their red zone. Now, this is where they actually get kind of good, though. They've only allowed two field goals, which is the least. They've only allowed 14 touchdowns, which is tied for the 13th most. They've only allowed 68 plays in the red zone. That's the least in the NFL, along with Dallas and Kansas City. But they've allowed 3.1 yards per play. That's the problem. That's 31st, and again, it's 32 teams. So I agree with Reggie. You cannot treat this as a trap game because your team has not dominated games, and the Redskins, or sorry, the Washington Commanders, is a team that can come in and actually beat you because Taylor Heineke is going to be juiced as well. But I'm going to give that 30 seconds to Reggie because Sam's flex, I, I just don't like it. And I thought then... the flex was going to win it for me. <laughs> 30 seconds to Reggie. What else you got? You know what's interesting is uh, everybody was freaking out about uh, the, the Halloween video when Z Zadarius Smith came walking into the complex and he had the big boy limp. But, you know, this this is just what happens usually in the NFL. He's a little sore on the day after a football game. He's going to be okay. And I think if he can continue his pace, just named Defensive Player of the Month in the NFC, I think they should be able to really do some work on Sunday if he can continue to dominate and wreak havoc like he has been. Yeah, and when you look at Zadarius Smith, I limp. 
Like, and I limp, and then I go put up 30 at the gym. Like, that's what you do. It's the Kaiser Sose. You got to limp out the police station, and then you got to hit the smooth walk like Kaiser Sose. Like, yeah, you thought I was hurt. Coming for your ass. I got you. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what you do. I mean, but every football player, especially big dudes, everybody has a limp. And some people in our culture, Reggie knows this, we just walk like that because we're cool like that. Like, it's just that's just the walk. You got a little bit of limp. You know, a little bit of you got to let it hang a little bit when you walk. I mean, that's just that's just the walk. And for anybody that's ever seen Love Don't Cost a Thing with Nick Cannon, I mean, come on now. You remember when he was trying to get swaggy with it? Like, that's part of the walk. By the way, Nick Cannon has his 12th kid on the way. So clearly Good love Lord. has cost him a thing. So uh, moving on to uh, it cost him a lot of things. It's costed him a whole lot of things. Sam, any yeah, input on that movie? I'm sure you've seen, you have that. You own have that. you seen Love Don't Cost a Thing, Sam? With Christina uh, Milian and uh, Nick Cannon. You have not. He's got the box set. Yeah, he's got what, the what gave You away. saw the original. You saw the original with like Molly Ringwater, whoever was in that. Yeah. Because I definitely Cutting know grass. who that is too. Yep. You don't know Molly What's Ringwater? Funny, oh my God. Did you see did you see the the touchdown celebration last night? They they brought it back. The um Miles Sanders scored the the yard? last night. No, no, no. Did Miles Sanders scored last night. Yeah, well, that was on Sunday, but Miles Sanders scored last night and he did remember when Nick Cannon was on the beach and love don't cost a thing and he did Oh yeah, the the uh the, the, uh, the dance. Yeah, he he did that last night when he scored yeah, the touchdown. The, the African dance. He thought it was leather dance, no. But that was in love. The original love don't cost a thing for those people that might know that one when the guy pays $1,500 for a date because she has to get her dress, whatever got, you know, her mom's dress got stuff on it. Christina Emiliano crashed an Escalade. Nick Cannon paid, pay, you know, she paid $1,500 from to fix it. And then she dates mm -hmm. him. She ends up falling in love with him. He treats her like dirt after the end because he wants more girls. He ends up going back to her. Come on now. We all know the story. Nick. By the way, I, there's no way I'm leaving Christina Emiliano for anybody else in that school. Like, are you kidding me right now? But anyway. Nick Cannon makes bad decisions. We know that. Speaking of bad decisions, and I don't know if these are bad decisions, but the Vikings have a decision to make with TJ Hawkinson. He is in that. We don't even know. We're, 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 this is high speculation right here. And by the way, Sam Ekstrom came up with this question, so don't get mad at me because this is super high speculation. But we're going to go way into the future. TJ Hawkinson, if he balls out or if he sucks, either way, what do the Vikings do with him after the season? We know the Lions fans are now, I'm looking at Vi Li uh, Lions Twitter. They're saying he wanted a ton of money. He wanted to be the highest paid tight end. That's why the Lions traded him. Luke, what do you think they do with him? Well, I think more times than not, when you make a trade like this, you have plans of signing the guy long-term. But the flip side of that, as you just mentioned, Ron, he's asking for David Njoku money at minimum. He just signed a four-year, $55 million deal. That's a lot of money for a tight end in this league, unless you're Travis Kells, George Kittle, Mark Andrews, for a guy that's already missed a lot of games in his career. What's nice about this trade, though, the safety blanket of having him for next year and a half under contract. And if things aren't panning out, if things aren't going your way and you let him walk, you should get a third round compact back, which is huge. So when you just look at the roster collectively, it all kind of feels like about a two year window, Kirk Cousins contract, Hunter, Thielen, Cook and Jefferson, a lot of big names, all free agents. I think there's a good chance they just let him play out this next year and a half and kind of reassess things once you get there. Hmm. I like that. I like that. Because if you think about it, you're dead on with that one. Like, but you have to figure out Kirk's contract. You have to figure out Justin Jefferson's contract. Mm -hmm. You have to figure out Zadarius Smith. Uh, you know, like, do you extend him? Do you ask him for a pay cut? Do you ask Neil Hunter to take a pay cut? Do Neil Hunter possibly wants more money? I mean, there's a lot of pieces to figure out. I, I do feel like Daniel 
in this situation can't get more money. But, Sam, what do you got? I think Adam Thielen is the linchpin here because I look at all mm. the money that you're about to have wrapped up in your pass catchers. Justin Jefferson's going to make $30 milli a year. And maybe they can get that number down after the extension just a little bit in that first year, but eventually it's going to escalate. You're going to owe him a ton of money. Um, Adam Thielen is owed an impossible amount of money next year, and he seems to be declining a little bit. So what are you going to do with him? Because if Thielen is out of the picture and that money is gone, then you can reallocate it, I think, and you can afford TJ Hawkinson. Uh, the next 10 games will be sort of an audition for him, I think, to see what the fit is like. Obviously, then in the next 10 games, they'll have an idea maybe on what they're going to do with Thielen, and then they can start to figure out the money. But I just don't know how you get a Kirk contract, a Jefferson contract, a Thielen contract, and a Hawkinson contract all under your books on offense, and you still have a lot to deal with on defense too. Um, so I, the jury is out for me. I think that if they could extend him in a way that is a little more backloaded so the money is lower in the front end of the contract and then extend him long-term after this season, I think that would maybe make sense. Reginald, what you got? Uh, I don't think Adam Thielen is going to be very happy with you, Sam, listening to this. You called him a declining player. Oh, my goodness. Goodness gracious. Anyway, um, I, I think you don't, as as Luke said, I don't think you make a trade like this if you aren't planning on keeping them because you gave up a second-round pick. You don't give up a second-round pick just for um, – I guess this wouldn't be a half a season, but like three-fourths of a season audition – for a guy like TJ Hawkinson, you find a way to try to make it work. Look, I'm not the money man, but Quasey is, and that's a challenge that he's going to be faced with to try to make this work because, you know, as Sam mentioned, all those guys on offense you mentioned, but, you know, you still haven't really figured out what you're going to do with Daniil Hunter. You know, does Zadarius want a new deal after after balling out this year? You know, you, you don't really know what exactly you're going to do with the money, but you don't give up a premium pick at a second round to just have a one-year audition with the guy and let him walk. And this is what I think about it. When you look at TJ Hawkinson, I kind of already said it. Like, is Johnny Munt, uh, TJ Hawkinson, Irv Smith, now your, your tight end room for next year? I like that room. When you have a room like that, though, you don't have room for a lot. Look at that's why Tyreek Hill left the Kansas City Chiefs. You don't have a ton of room and a ton of money. Uh, if, if one of your tight ends is requiring Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz, David and Joku type money, um, that, that's where the rubber is going to meet the road and you have to figure this thing out. Uh, I will say this. I like that room. If you put TJ Hawkinson with Irv Smith, that gives you a big, strong middle of the field tight end who can break tackles. Like I said, he's, at, he's got 215 yards of yak, which is the number two tight end behind, I think, George Kittle. So that alone uh is nice and then irv can play the true alabama tight end that he was which is a guy in the slot guy one by one off the tight end not having to be the main main box blocker sorry the lead blocker guy uh can motion back to the backfield as well become a a true h back uh but then i think that hurts cj ham because now you have a true h back at irv smith uh put a little bit more weight on him as he gets older he ends up being you know 245 250 at 64 and then he becomes a true h back and then tj hogginson and you got Justin Jefferson and yeah, I, you know, Adam Thielen. I don't know if you, you keep him at that salary because KJ Osborne and maybe now Jalen Rager, your first round, first round receiver from the Eagles uh, can give you some type of KJ Osborne production and KJ moves into the Thielen role. There's a lot to figure out, but we'll figure that out. Nobody's going to get 30 seconds on that one because we have more pressing 
questions we want to get to and because nobody flexed. If somebody had flexed, it would have been easier to figure that one out. Nobody gave me the TJ Hawkinson flex if he gets a big run or, or a big catch and run early. Uh, but speaking of guys flexing this year, uh, when you think about players that flex their muscle, you know, they, they flex their ability or they're not flexing the muscles that they have. Is there a player on this Vikings roster that is or is not meeting up to the expectations statistically? Because we know what their impact is on the field, but statistically, is there a guy on the field for the Vikings that you don't feel like is doing what you thought he would do or doing more than you thought he would do? I'm going to start with you, Reggie. So I thought about this, and this is no slight, you know, because we, we got Sam already talking about people are declining and, and stuff. I, I don't want to I don't want to say that. I don't want that to come off this way. But I my guy is Daniil Hunter. Uh, seven games, he has three sacks. And I just imagine, especially last year, you know, at the time that he went out, he was leading the, the team in sacks. And so he's been healthy this year, which is – that's like the big thing. It's like, yes, he's healthy. But I think he's still trying to find his way in this 3-4 defense. And I think I would expect – I would have expected him to have more sacks than he has so far. He's kind of being outshined by Zadarius on the other side. But I expect him to get it going. But it's just kind of weird that it's been this slow roll, especially with him being actually fully healthy this year. Yeah, and, and speaking of Darius, and I don't know if this is, hasn't been updated yet, but the Vikings stats on uh, their website, NFL.com as well, says Darius has seven and a half, but I'm pretty sure he has eight and a half. It says Daniil has three. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking mm -hmm. somebody on the Vikings stat machine gave uh, Daniil one of Darius's sacks, which I'm pretty sure he's not happy with that. Let's go with you next, Luke. What you got? Yeah, Jordan Hicks was brought in, signed a two-year, $8 million deal. Peanuts, man. Despite his resume, 100-plus tackles every season. This year, he's outdoing himself. He's on pace for 151 tackles, five sacks. Him and Kendricks together on pace for almost 300 tackles collectively. That combo's just been massive. And the addition of Hicks, I think, has just been worth every penny plus some. But I'll give you another one on the flip side, the bad side. KJ Osborne, I, I just had a lot of bold predictions about this dude. Thought he could be a 1,000-yard receiver in this new 11 personnel offense. He's only on pace for 450 yards. Granted, he's made some big plays this year. Game winner versus Detroit. Go-ahead score last week, too. But I just assumed, I guess, with this three wide receiver sets, he'd have a little bit more production, more chunk plays. That hasn't score, uh, shown up in the box score as of yet. Doesn't mean he's been a disappointment. But I think looking back, maybe I put too much expectations on Osborne with so many mouths to feed in, the, in this uh, Vikings offense. What you got, Sam? I'm going to keep harping on this until something changes. <laughs> Kenny Wongwu has as many snaps from scrimmage as me. Mm. Zero. Mm. What did did he insult Quasi's mother? Did he say something about about KOC's <laughs> wife? Like what what's going on here? What did what did he do to literally be frozen out of this offense? You're telling me that a guy who runs like four two, there's no plays for him, there's no sub package that he can be used in? I watched him all training camp, and they used him, too. That's the weird thing. Like, they used him a lot. And sometimes they used him in place of Alexander Madison with that second unit. Where did he go? 
I thought this was going to be more of a running back by committee. There'd be a rotation. They're finding ways to use all their talent. What 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 happened? What 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 happened here? So I'm puzzled, befuddled, um, confused. <laughs> what are some other synonyms that I can throw in there? Um, consternated. I'm be, oh, that's a good one, Ron. I'm all of those things about Kenny Wangwu. <laughs> this is one thing I'll say about that quick on the Kene Wangwu. Uh, there's not enough balls. There's not. There's there's definitely not enough. Mm-hmm. Like Justin Jefferson only has 752 yards. Uh, you know, Dalvin Cook, we, we're talking about his limited carries with the splitting time. Uh, he's doing what the Rams did, and the Rams only had two running backs in and out of there with Cam Akers, and I forgot the other guy last year, but that's it. Like, there's not a lot to go around. So so I think Kene Wangwu uh, is going to become one of those question marks, too, of like, can we get away with Jalen Rager doing kick return? Because we literally never return kicks. Probably. Mm. Like probably next year, like you can get if if you your punt and kick return to be the same person, because then you can save a roster spot and maybe keep an extra tight end and an extra receiver, knowing I don't need three running backs. And then you have a guy, uh, Ty Chandler. Ty Chandler actually might be the Kene Wangwu. We thought it was going to be the Alexander Madison issue. It might be the Kene Wangwu versus Ty Chandler eventually. Um, but this is what I'll say on this one. Uh, my person, and this is only because I, I think he should be the best receiver, triple crown guy, and I picked him all year, is Justin Jefferson. I thought he'd have way more touchdowns by now, but this is what I'm learning in this offense. I've said it, feast or famine. Uh, there's games where he absolutely feasts and he kills it, and then there's games where there's famine. In the red zone, uh, teams are strikes. Like, they're, they're, they're finding ways to just keep their eye on him. Uh, unless K- uh, KOC comes up with, like, a creative way to get him in the end zone where he's doing some of the, the trick motion stuff, but now even with the trick motion stuff, He's using him as a decoy and going to somebody else. Um, you know, it's it's just one of those things where uh, it's a chess match. And I loved, I think, the Kirk Cousins scramble, seeing Kevin O'Connell on cam for the mic'd up segment part. He's just, he's like every other fan. When he calls the play, he's sitting back, like, with his hand in his mouth, like, all right, what's going to happen here? Oh, oh. And then he's telling Kirk, tuck the ball, tuck the ball, tuck the ball. Oh, wait, wait, what? He scored? What the hell happened here? Like, <laughs> so I, I think for him, too, when he calls these plays, He's not, he doesn't know what's going to happen either. So can he always just say, let's run fade to Justin Jefferson? Maybe, but I, I think we're going to see TJ Hawkinson now, if he starts to get a little bit more uh, paid attention to in the red zone, then we'll see Justin Jefferson, I think, start to open up a little bit more because TJ Hawkinson might become your red zone, got your true like threat, like a tight end in the red zone, like a Travis Kelsey, like a Zach Ertz, uh, like a Goddard, you know, all the guys that we've seen, uh, Kittle, uh, dominate, you know, as far as the tight end in the red zone. I think, you know, maybe Hawkinson, if he can learn this offense in the next, I don't know about the Washington Commanders game, but, you know, definitely by the Bills-Cowboys game, hopefully he should be able to have it down. But we have a word from our sponsors. Thanks, Ron. BetOnline.net remains your number one source for football betting and betting at the new NBA basketball season. You can find all the latest player developments, all the lines, all the leagues, all the sports. It's MMA, boxing, golf, hockey. World Series, Game 6 coming up Saturday night. I'm looking at this Gophers-Nebraska line. It's still a stunner to me. Gophers are favored by 16 on the road. You could lay down $660 to win 100. Minus 660 money line for the Gophers in Lincoln. That's crazy. 11 o'clock on Saturday. And the Vikings favored by 3.5 in Washington. We're tracking all of that at betonline.net, which you can find on your laptop or your mobile device. Bet online where the game starts. 
And remember, folks, we are almost to 3,000 subscribers on YouTube, so please make sure you subscribe. Go to YouTube, hit the subscribe button so you can get all the updated videos, all the shows. And also remember, when you subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota, you're getting endless Vikings talk with local experts. Subscribe to the free Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast feed wherever you find your podcast, and find our videos on Locked On Sports Minnesota's YouTube channel. Also, we're on Amazon Fire and Roku. I know you guys got those TVs. It's some Black Friday sales coming up. If you don't, go get one. They're simple. You can get the little device and you can take it with you on the road. I love it when I go to Mexico. It's great. Like, it's one of those things that I really love when you have kids. Netflix, wherever you go on a TV, sign me up for that. But you can also watch our shows when your kids fall asleep. And a little locked on cleanup. Matt DeBritz texted me and said it's Can't Buy Me Love. Yes, that is the old movie, Matt. But the new movie is love don't cost a thing. That's what our culture calls it. Because Reggie know love don't cost, the old school people, you know, they call it can't buy me. We are love don't cost a thing. That's Nick Cannon, Christina Million. That's the only one I recognize. So, <laughs> <laughs> for those like, oh, this can't buy me love. It's, it's, it's love don't, it's can't buy me love. No. Love don't we cost got a thing. Siskel and Ebert over here. Okay. Love don't cost a <laughs> Nick Cannon. Love that Nick Cannon hair nonsense. is something else. I'm just seeing this cover for the first time. Wow. It's, it's, yeah, he had to have a drink. Weekend he assignment. Had, Watch that, Sam. Exactly. Weekend assignment there. In between all Steve the years. Get the kids to bed. Little date night with the wife. Little love yeah, don't yeah, cost a thing. Watch it. Love don't cost a thing. It's a good rom-com for you and the wife. Yeah. Perfect. Get some, get some I'm, wine. I'm into it. Keep the lights purple now, like if that I, down hey, there. If I do watch it, though, I get to give an elaborate review on next week's show. Okay. All right. On the round table, we'll the start time. off, movie. We'll start off with stage. movie reviews to start the round yeah, table Ron, next week. Movie Ron reviews. wants a 10-page college essay on it <laughs> that we can post to IMBD afterwards, Sam. Yeah. Perfect. It's told by I'm Sam Action. Well, we're to talk about more football. This weekend... It's the Corn Huskers and the Gophers. And for those that saw Jeremiah Searles, former Gopher, or sorry, former Nebraska Corn Husker, former Viking, he was on, on the Ron Johnson Show this week, and he talked about the difference in this team now under Mikey Joseph. There is no more Scott Frost. I wish Scott Frost would come back. He was such a good coach for the Gophers. He really helped us win those games. <laughs> uh, but we have to move on, and now it's the Mikey Joseph Show uh, Nebraska is not favored in this game, but they are at home. Gophers have to travel to Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, when you look at this matchup and if the Gophers win, what is the rest of the season look like? And even if they lose, but they win, they're bowl eligible. But can this season become something still really nice, really historic? Let's start with you, Luke. Yeah, I think certainly this season can still be salvaged. If they run the table, beat Northwestern, Iowa, Wisconsin, end the season, you finish nine and three. I mean, exactly. That's a, still a pretty good darn season. That There's still a lot to hang their hat on, too, right now. Top 12 rushing offense with one of the better running backs in the country. Obviously, Boom. we know him. They've got a, a top 10 pass defense and the number Boom. four scoring defense in the country, too. <clears throat> that's huge. And they're the number one team in the country on third down conversions. I didn't know this. They're converting nearly 60% on third down. That's insane. So there's still a lot Boom. to like just a matter of shaking off that kind of the previous expectations uh, and when they got all that national love there, uh, when they got hot at the beginning, getting hot now again here at the end, going on a low run. It starts this week, though, against Nebraska, just kind of finding their confidence and swag again, building that momentum back up for this last little stretch. They got their swagger back. 
I see you, Sam. I like, I mean, sorry, Luke. I like it. They got their swagger back. Man, I like it. The swagger's back in Minnesota. What you got, Reggie? All right, this is the the real uh, realism part of it. So I, I feel like I'm always the guy that's just kind of like bringing things down the sides. But look, I, I have nothing against the I have nothing against the Gophers. Um, I think the the expectations were quite high coming into this season, and so when you ask the question like, is this season salvageable? I guess it depends on what you're looking at that would call it a success because, you know, you're not talking about a Rose Bowl. You're not talking about them winning, you know, the the Big Ten at this point. But I think, you know, you, you could have a nice little, you know, bowl game. You, like like you said, Ryan, they're, they're bowl eligible if they win this game against Nebraska this weekend. You know, you can have, a, a, you know, the, the star-kissed uh, tuna in a can bowl or whatever, you know, all these wow. different bowl games that, that they have. <laughs> We're going to the Music yeah. City Bowl in Nashville. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you can have the 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 Nashville Hot Chicken Bowl or whatever. Like it's, it, the, it's, it's fine. It's the Music City Bowl. Respect it. Okay. Yeah. If that's what you're looking for, that's what you'll get. <laughs> we might have to yeah. give Reggie thirty more seconds so we can chastise him. <laughs> what you got, Sam? <laughs> well, I know you're a Detroit guy, Ron, but as long as it's not the Motor City, we're not Bowl, going to Little Caesars Bowl. We're not going to Little Caesars. Is that the word it is now? Yeah, that's always reserved for like the last team that gets bowl eligible. Um, I am not concerned at all with the bowl. I don't care about the bowl anymore. The Gophers needed to make a Big Ten championship, and that probably that ship has probably sailed. So Thank I don't you, care Sam. what happens in the postseason. Um, I think the only way that you're going to feel good about your season is if you end it by beating Iowa and Wisconsin and you capture the pig and the. Uh, and the axe. I'm axe. sorry. I had a massive brain lapse there. So honestly, the Nebraska Northwestern games, I, I don't, I can't get into it. I can't get invested. There's really nothing at stake. Um, bowl eligibility isn't important to me at this point, probably important to Fleck, probably important to some of the players. I'm, I'm as a fan, not interested in it. I do care about the trophies. That stuff will, like, live in your facility and it will go down in history. You can storm the field. You can rip down the goalposts and bring him out of the stadium like the Tennessee fans. So win the trophy games. <laughs> Reel me back in with that. Throw it in the Ryan, ocean. This, Ryan, this is you, yeah, you ready? You, you ready for the, the Taco Bell cheesy Fiesta potatoes bowl? I feel like <laughs> We're that's, going to Nashville. that's like – We're going to Nashville. The bowl, the bowl story, I think Craig, uh, Craig Scoggins just did a story about the bowl re – uh, I forgot what they do. They're they're realigning the bowls and who goes where. And right now the Gophers are slated for for Nashville. Nashville has has uh, looked at the Gophers and then turned their backs on them the last couple of years. But then they wanted them when they went to the Outback and beat Auburn. Let's not forget that. And they were like, Nah, we're good. We're going to the Outback. Uh, <laughs> but you never know because if if these other Big Ten teams ahead of them, uh, nine and three is a really good season. Uh, if if the other teams ahead of them, which won't be, it should not be Iowa, should not be Wisconsin. Uh, those teams will go to those lower bowls. The Gophers should get one of the top ones. And then we know Ohio State and Michigan are going to command the top. So I, I think it is. I think if you go to a really nice bowl game, this is the thing about it. Uh, you look at injury. Chris Altman-Bell, if he doesn't get hurt, season's probably different. If Mo doesn't hurt his ankle. I mean, he's playing at 85% right now and still the best running back in the country. Well, second best running back in the country. Uh, when, when you think about that and, and the lack of like, oh, where's, the, where's that receiver that's going to make the play when it counts? Where's Tanner Morgan's fade guy? It's Chris Altman-Bell. 
Like we thought it was gonna be Dalen Wright. We thought it was gonna be uh um uh what's his name? Brevin Span four, but they haven't used him down there. So it's Chris Hoffman Bell. And so that's where I think the key is. But again, third down conversions, offensive defense, they're number one in the Big Ten. I think there's a lot to look there. When they go to a bowl game, they get to recruit more. They get to practice more. So I think that's the key too. And I definitely do it. And and I think Sam's or uh, Luke's right. You win these next four. Come on now. It's definitely you're leaving out on a high mark. You know, you're you're definitely riding high. And I think that's that's the biggest change with this team is you have to go through a four-game winning streak because all four of these, Northwestern, Iowa, Wisconsin, and Nebraska are all winnable games. Uh, Wisconsin's going to be tough. Braylon Allen is getting his going. He's getting his mojo going. That's a big boy at running back. At like I think he's like 230 pounds, 6'2", or something. And runs a 4'3". Like, that's a, a freight train coming down. Choo-choo! You got to shoot him out. That's what David Gibbs used to say. You got a big train coming, shoot those knees out, chop him down where he stands, Ouch. and make him question if he's going to run through the line again. Other than that, we know uh, Brian Ferentz, Kirk Ferentz's son, he doesn't know how to call an offense for his dad. He needs to go back to the NFL or somewhere or somewhere where he can be a little bit more free because his daddy is, 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 is stopping him from doing anything. Uh, but I'm going to give 30 minutes to Reggie. What else you got on this, Reggie? Because we chastise you a little bit, so we'll give you 30 seconds. What you got? Well, look, I, I understand where you're coming from, Ron. And look, if if that's what you're good for, like if that's what you what you're good with, them having a, a a season that finishes on a high note, nine and three, and all that, like that's fine. But I think you can't tell me you aren't a little disappointed that they won't be playing for championships because, like, I feel like that was the goal coming into this season. They were one of the the most like veteran teams in all of the Big Ten, and you return all this talent, you got Sharaka back, you're like, yeah, like, we're about to do some things, and then they suffer those disappointing losses. You know, the Penn State losses, like, whatever, that's fine. You understand that. But then the other two losses to Purdue and Illinois, you're like, no, like, those are the games you're supposed to be winning because we got we got rings to capture. We got trophies to get. And, you know, we got Sam really brought up rings. bringing trophies in bringing trophies in like that's fine you know beating beating wisconsin you know beating beating iowa those games but i i think you really want the the big 10 and i think if if fleck is trying to do what he wants to do and you know if he's not long from minnesota whatever you want to want to think about that but i'm sure he's not in his mind satisfied with with 93 it's nice like it's cool but it's like at the end of the day like like if mizzou went 93 we throw a party because those dudes are just good lord god bless them god help them i think we just found out yesterday that their um defensive coordinator just got extended which means the head coach is sticking around which means god help us we're not doing anything in the sec Matt, they where's go the zipper three, emoji? we're throwing a party we're we throwing a, a party emoji now but in minnesota what do you you know is that are you really good with that ron i am good with that matt throw the zipper emoji up over reggie because we're going to move on <laughs> World Ron, real quick, Ron. silence the Gophers yeah. dissenters. Ron, 2025, yeah. PJ Flex still the head coach of the Minnesota Gophers. What do you think? Yes, yes, because he's going to okay. get extended yeah. again. He's going to, he's, Ethan Kaliag Manis is going to get his chance now. Tanner Morgan has no more eligibility. Uh, it's too late in the season now, even if he gets hurt again. I don't think he can come back for an eighth year. 
Uh, so mm. Ethan Calic Manis is going to be able to come back. He's going to have Chris Altman Bell. They just recruited some other great receivers to come in. Uh, they got a really good offensive line coming in behind them as well. They will lose John Michael Schmidt to the NFL, but they will be fine. This defense is still solid. Those guys are all coming back for the most part. Justin Wiley's going to be back. Uh, uh, Terrell Smith is going to be back. Uh, we'll see about what's his name, Tyler Newbin, if he decides to go to the NFL or stay. I hope he stays. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I, I think they still can be really good. Uh, Mariano Sor Marion, I think he's going to be done, but then you have some other guys behind him that are good as well. Thomas Rush will be done, uh, but they're going to they're going to reload, revamp up. PJ Flex going to keep rowing the boat. We're going to get going. Uh, Thirty seconds each here. We're going to make this the lightning round. World Series check in. The Astros are cheaters, but they found <laughs> a way. They were out there throwing out signals uh, or tipping their hat on pitches. And Bryce Harper absolutely tattoos one, sits back on a changeup, even though the pitcher throws like 66 or 70% of his pitches are changeups. I don't think you really knew. Like, you didn't have to know that. Everybody, I just Googled it and knew it. So uh, I don't know if you have to like really notice it back on it because you know it's coming. 70% of the time he's going to do it. Uh, but he absolutely tattoos it. And then he says something to one of his teammates, which is probably like, hey, when he does this with his hand, when the glove does this, it's going to be the changeup, sit back and let it ride. And then the next game, they come out and pitch a no-hitter. So, is that scandal behind them? Or the Astros find a ways to, like, cheat-cheat? Meaning they know somebody's cheating on their signal, so they're going to cheat-cheat, throw the signal out, so you think it's a signal, and then they throw Like, what's going on with the Astros, Phillies? Uh, and if the Astros win, can we take the asterisks away? Or are people still going to say they're cheaters? What you got for me, uh, Sam? Yeah, it's unfortunate because the Astros are a really good organization with the way that they've developed pitching, the way that they just keep coming at you in the batter's box. They just hit and hit and hit, and they're clutch, and they've been good for a decade now almost. Um, and a lot of the players from that, that cheating team, Marwin Gonzalez, George Springer, Carlos Correa, they're gone. Jose Altuve is still kind of the face of that because of the whole, like, don't take my jersey off move that he did after the walk-off home run. But... I have a hard time thinking that there's any foul play amiss here. I think the Astros are just really good, and it's sad that they cheated because it tarnishes what I think is a really impressive baseball team. Hmm. Luke. Yeah, I mentioned the crazy stat. You guys have probably heard it by now. Every time the Phillies win the World Series, the economy goes to crap. 08, 1980, <laughs> 1929. No, I'm serious. That's serious. Look it up. It's it's insane. So I can't root for the Phillies. The Astros are coming off the scandal. I can't root for the Astros. I think if you're the Astros, you got no choice really but to accept that you're the villain now. Everybody hates going out and winning another one fair and square this time. It's basically the only step you can take to hopefully someday start to erase that stain of that cheating scandal. But I'm thinking more from a fan's perspective here, Ron, who really enjoys sitting down every October watching baseball. I'm just mm -hmm. not having very much fun this time around. The most entertaining part of these games is when they pan over to Mattress Mac, who's got 75 million on the table, riding on the Astros, just sweating about to have a heart attack every pitch. That's been the most entertaining part of this entire World Series for me. You didn't enjoy Ted Cruz in the ALCS behind home plate? <laughs> that was good. Okay, that was good. That was great. What you got, Reggie? Dang, uh, Luke, I, I, I've actually been really enjoying this World Series. I think it's been all kinds of excitement from game to game. I don't understand. I don't think there's any type of conspiracy going, but I don't quite understand how you are Lance McCullers and you're giving up all these home runs and then the next game, the next game, you know, hit these guys. Like, what? Like, that doesn't even... 
that doesn't even register to me, but I feel like the Phillies have kind of like blown it. You go back home, you got all that momentum, and then you don't get it done like you're supposed to. And I think that's the tough part about this. But I will say just real quick, so much has been said about no black players from the U.S. Uh, being in this World Series. The Astros do have a black manager in Dusty Baker who's been at this for a very, very long time. And I think if you're not rooting for the Astros because they cheated and all that good stuff, like like Sam said, they've replenished these players like Pena coming in for Correa. Like they haven't missed a beat. I know Correa's probably jealous at home right now. Like, dang, they just replaced me like that. But I think if you're looking at something to root for in this, you're like, man, Dusty Baker finally getting one. That would be a nice story for him. We almost had the zipper again, but we we let you go on that one. Uh, with, with mine, I'm going to go quick. I, I think it is, it, it is exciting for the point of like some of the home runs. Like these hitters, when you think about the hitters that they have in this game, uh, I think that's it. Justin Verlander, I'm always going to be a Verlander fan. He came from the Tigers. I was hoping the Twins would have got him, but he went to the Astros. Uh, so I, I, was, I think I was in Detroit when they played the Twins. Verlander almost had a, a no-no. Um, or the, maybe the Cleveland Indians, I think, who they were playing, or Guardians now. But, uh, but yeah, I was there in Detroit, and, and Verlander almost threw a no-no. It was like through seven innings, and then some idiot in our section uh, like actually said it out loud, and so he didn't. But I'm always going to root for Verlander. Uh, I think he's a really good pitcher. But uh, at the end of the day, Astros are cheaters. Who cares? Thanos? <laughs> we did not want Thanos to win, but you know what? He might have been on to something with getting, half of the, getting rid of half of the world. And so... <laughs> I mean, hey, it, like 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 Luke said, if, if we got to root for Thanos so that we don't go through another drop in the economy because the Phillies win, I'm fine with that too. So every once in a while, the villains have to win in order to correct what the like crazy world has done. And so the Astros, we congratulate you because my guess is you're going to win game six and you will be crowned champions. And now we can finally then get away from baseball and move on to true just football, 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 football all the time in bowl season. And a little bit of basketball here and there. Before we talk real quick, another we're going to have another lightning round of Timberwolves talk. We have a word from our sponsors. Yeah, today I'm telling you about Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go behind the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today, L-O-S-T, they call it Lost, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts and remember folks amazon fire roku download locked on sports minnesota the app right there on your tv you can watch the show sing along with us play along with us whatever you want to do last quick one another 30 second lightning round one before we get out of here the timberwolves the jazz the jazz are balling the timberwolves are falling who won this trade so far i know it's early we got a lot of basketball left but early on would you say that the Jazz have won this trade because they have not lost a step? And they even got rid of Donovan Mitchell as well. So that's what's even crazier. Like, they got rid of a lot of pieces, and they're still finding ways to win games. What do you attribute this uh, to? Let's start with you, Reggie. I think the Jazz have lost this trade because they are good. Like, how do you not know how to tank? You know what I mean? Like, you're so, I don't know if you guys saw that picture, uh, that snapshot of Danny Ainge sitting behind the the bleachers and he's just like just in utter disapproval of the Jazz success he's uh, he's coming to all these picks you know he's he's got these I don't even know if you're like calling it twin towers but you got Walker Kessler Olenek and marketing 
all together, and they're busting these teams' tail. What you got, Sam? And maybe Jared Vanderbilt is just the greatest player in basketball history. Maybe that's the, <laughs> the key to this deal. Um, you know, I think in the long term here, Utah probably will have more incentive to actually trade people at the deadline. I don't know if they – because like you said, Reggie, Ainge doesn't necessarily want to win. They're not going to add any pieces. And if they're in the middle somewhere, they might be sellers because they want to capitalize on those picks. Um, mm -hmm. So I think, I think that this will play out in the long term in the Wolves' favor. They were 4-9 and nine last year, and they still turned out really good. They're 4-4 four and four right now. It's going to be okay. Big matchup with the Bucks tonight. Yeah, to Reggie's point, I don't think either Luke. team is very happy right now. But at least the Jazz got, what, 700 draft picks in their back pocket. Way too early, though, right now. We knew for the Wolves it would probably take a little bit to figure out what this lineup's going to look like night in and night out. I don't know if you guys saw this. CBS Sports, I mentioned it to Reggie yesterday. They came out with an article, despite all the talk about the small ball in the NBA the past few years, tall ball might be on its way back. Article noted 12 teams have scored more than 15 second-chance points per 100 possessions this year. Two years ago, zero teams did it. So they're off to a slow start, but maybe in the big picture, long-term, this is still going to be proved to be the right move when it's all said and done for the Wolves. Ah, and to Reggie's point, I agree with the uh, the fact that they don't know how to tank right. Uh, but this is the problem. Whenever you tell a team to tank and they know you want to tank, and there's another Cleveland baseball team reference, the movie Major League, they try to get them to tank, and what happened? They got a picture of the manager, and they start stripping her clothes off every time they won. So maybe there's a picture of Danny Ainge in the locker room, and the players are, like, stripping off his clothes every time they win or something. Uh, who knows? Like, who knows what their motivation is? They're like, look, we're not tanking just for this Victor Wambiambu or whatever you say his last name. Uh, we're not doing that. But clearly they want him to tank for, for Victor. It's not happening right now. And, uh, yeah, I, I was hoping the Pistons would, would tank for him because then you have Jay Nivey, Victor, and Kay Cunningham. Now that would be mm. back to Detroit basketball. But I don't know if it's going to happen because Jay Nivey mm. is pretty good it as well as uh, Kay Cunningham. Is this Victor guy supposed to be the clear-cut number one overall pick, like best prospect Dude, we've seen, seen in the NBA him? for a long have time? Have you seen yeah, him? Yeah. Oh, he's my a seven-four giraffe. He's a unicorn. He is though. amazing. He's okay, a point guard, shooting guard, three and, and a four. Uh, I mean, nobody's gonna ever be LeBron, but I would say, you know, he he he's different though. He's nothing. He's nobody. Like he's not like anybody. But I mean, I guess as far as generational talent goes, when you look KD. at what he can do, he can yeah. Kevin Durant, like, cause he's a seven, four, but he can shoot over anybody. He has a step back. Mm -hmm. He has a crossover. He has a James hard behind his back move. Like he's, he's more athletic than Chet Holmgren. So he's Chet Holmgren with athletic, with athleticism. Like mm -hmm. Chet Holmgren is just tall and big and long and can move well, but this kid is athletic. Like it's like a skinny LeBron mm -hmm. without the power. Uh, and, yeah. and I think that's why, like, he's not going to ever bring the ball up the court, but in today's NBA, they don't press. So he can, but for his G league team, he brings the ball up. Uh, he plays the two, he plays the three, and he plays the four. Uh, but in the NBA, the one question is strength. Like, he does look like he has a body, though, that can mm -hmm. put on some strength like Giannis and take some steroids and, you know, do what Giannis did. Um, but, you know. Wait a minute. Or whatever. Wait a minute. Free workout. <laughs> I don't it's know. A Wait a minute. Free Good workout. Lord, you just going to yeah. put that on Giannis like that? He, he pre-workout. He took pre-workout and creatine. Oh, and, yeah, no. Uh -huh. HGA. He's all organic. Yeah. He's organic. Yeah. He did something though, because that man from when weight he was a, a, a draft pick to big. now, he's a weight room freak. We got the Greek freak and we got the French freak. <laughs> what you got to say, Reggie? <laughs> yeah, I feel like he's everything that the Knicks thought that Kristaps Porzingis was going to be. Exactly. And more. Yep. 
and more. Well, that'll do it for the roundtable today. I'm Ron Johnson. That's Reggie Wilson. That's Luke Inman, the most interesting man on the podcast. And that's Sam Ekstrom back there. We got Matt DeBritz working the keys. Didn't come up with the zipper emoji today. We're going to bring that next week because we're going to have to zip some people up. Uh, but you know what? We're having fun. We love it. We want to thank you guys for continuing to subscribe. Remember, we're almost at 3,000 subscribers. Please go to YouTube and subscribe. Hit the subscribe button. Tell your sister. Tell your friend. Tell your brother. Tell your mother. Tell everybody. Just go to YouTube. Hit subscribe. I mean... What do we got to do? If we get to 3,000, do we need to give out Christmas gifts or something? We might have to do that to our followers and on Twitter, come up with some type of competition. But that'll do it for us today. I want to thank you. Have a great one.